Father, I ask today that we'll understand the relevance of this text to our daily living. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, our studies so far, we've been following the journey of David. We've seen him come from the, from the sheepfolds of Judea to the, the battlefields of Israel. We've watched this boy mature into a man. We've watched David kill a giant, win the hearts of a nation, and seen him develop into a man of God. We've watched David as he climbed the pinnacle of success. We've seen him fall into the depths of despair. We've seen him receive the love of many and the hatred of a few. It's been a blessing and a challenge to look at his life so far. But today we find this sweet singer of Israel living again in the cave. And he's there because God has systematically been removing all of his support structure from around about him. And God's been teaching David this, this difficult lesson that only God is the one that's worth leaning upon. And whilst David's in the cave, he's presented with an opportunity that many men would have died for. David is presented with the opportunity to exact revenge against his greatest enemy. And whilst David and his men are hiding away in the cave, in the providence of God, he brings King Saul into that same cave at the same time. And David has this perfect opportunity to kill Saul. And he could have claimed the throne. He could have elevated himself to the very top. But David does not do what most people would have done. Instead of reacting with hatred, revenge and murder, David displays love and grace and compassion. And we see here why he truly is a man after God's own heart. So as we consider the verses of Scripture today, I think that we'll actually find ourselves at times in a similar kind of place. Because let's face it, we've all had someone do something wrong to us, haven't we? We find ourselves offended and hurt. And somewhere along the road, sometimes the opportunity comes, now I can get even. What we do in that moment, though, defines us as human beings. It reveals the true nature of our heart. So today I want to look at the subject of how do we respond, how do we respond properly to our enemies. So let's have a look at this. I hope you've got your Bible open to 1 Samuel 24. Let's have a look at the injuries of David's life. First of all, David was a hated man, loved by the people in general, but hated by Saul. Saul clearly hated David. He hated David because David was everything that Saul was not. He hated David because David walked with the Lord. He hated David because David was being blessed by God. He hated David because David was accepted and Saul was being rejected by God. And he was determined to see David put to death. Saul was, was consumed by jealousy, consumed by hatred for this man. It was literally eating him alive. So here's the thing to note. David was hated not for the evil in his life, but because he, what he was doing was pleasing to God. Because David never ever wronged Saul. But Saul had it in for David anyway. It's inevitable that some people will be against you as you go through life. Just be sure that they're going to be against you for doing right, not be against you for doing wrong. Sometimes people have things against us and it's for good reason. Sometimes they're right and we're wrong. Isn't that true? If people have to find fault with us, let us not be because we're stubborn and hateful and mean, 
Rather let it be because we are holy, decent, and good people. That's a good reason to have people against you. So David was a hated man, but he was also a hunted man. When Saul heard that David was hiding, Saul pulled, pulled out all the troops and all the stops to find him and kill him. And in the chapter before, he nearly got David, actually. David was on this side of the mountain, and Saul was on that side of the mountain, and Saul was going to come around with his troops and get him when the Philistines were causing some problems, and he was distracted. That's in God's providence. Saul didn't get him that time. But now Saul is, is, is hunting David again, and he sends an army of 3,000 against David's little army of 600. So Saul's doing everything in his power to, to take David down and prevent him from becoming the next king. I don't know about you, but there have been times in my life where situations have been a bit uncomfortable. And I felt like someone has it in for me too. Maybe you felt some similar things. We feel like we're being hunted by those who dislike us. It seems like they're pursuing us. And they're looking for every kind of way to destroy us. Of course, Jesus says it was going to be that way, didn't he? He says, in this world, you're going to have difficulties. He promised us that. That's one of the promises of God we can depend upon. Life's going to be hard. Of course, we're no better. We, you know, life's not going to be any better for us than it was for him. So as we move through life, there will be times of disagreement. There will be times we're injured. There will be times we're hurt by those around about us. And that's inevitable. However, we shouldn't allow these things to derail us. It's possible to overcome the evil others do to us. And it's possible to rise above these things if we depend on the help of God. So those are the injuries of David's life. He was a hated man. He was a hunted man. What about the illusions of David's life? Because there's some illusions happening there too. For a moment, I want you to put yourself in David's shoes. Imagine that you are the one who's being hunted by Saul. You're being hunted and hounded without a cause. A person you've done nothing against is after you. They're doing everything in their power to destroy your name, take your life. And then there's presented to you this opportunity to even the score. You're given this perfect chance to right all the wrongs. You're given a chance to take down your enemy. All you have to do is take the opportunity. Your enemy falls and you win. They're shattered and defeated and you're victorious. They're humiliated. You're exalted. What do you do? What do you do when that opportunity presents itself? If you're living with illusions about what's right and wrong, you will exact revenge. You'll take your pound of flesh, you'll walk away, you'll congratulate yourself that you've destroyed your enemy. However, if you see things through the eyes of God, you might do something entirely different. So let's have a look at the illusions that were in David's life. First of all, there was the illusion of reputation. When Saul wandered into that cave where David and his men were hiding, David was presented with that golden opportunity. He was the chance to get even. He was the chance to even up the score. He had opportunity to take by force everything that God had promised him and everything that Saul was denying him. All of David's men even challenged him to take his sword and to kill Saul. Look at verse 4. The men said, right, when Saul's relieving himself in this, in this cave, the men said, This is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. And David crept up unnoticed and cut off the corner of Saul's robe. You see, to David's men, David was a hero. He was their warrior chief. And he was going to look like a coward, a real wimp, if he didn't exact 
revenge on Saul at that moment. And there's a subtle temptation to get even. And David was now protecting his reputation. I mean, how many times have you and I succumbed to the same kind of, rep- of, of temptation? How many times have we, re- we retaliated against someone who's hurt us in an effort to protect our own reputation? We don't want other people to think that we're weak. I've been accused of being a weak man. People said to me, Martin, you don't take action when action should be taken. You're weak. Why are you a pastor of a church? You're a weak person. You don't get even. That came from Christians. So cool. I think people like that have an illusion. You know, you never look more childish and more petty than when you exact revenge and you save face just to save face in front of somebody else. Remember Jesus who was quiet before his accusers? He could have done it. He could have called upon legions of angels and all the rest. They would have come. But he didn't. He was silent. Well, there you go. That's the example we got to follow. Actually, our reputation means nothing. It really doesn't. Our opportunities to display the spirit of Jesus Christ, however, means everything. That's what's important. Not your reputation. Jesus' reputation. That's what's important. So there's the illusion of reputation. And there's also the illusion of revenge. Because surely as David watched Saul enter that cave and go to the dark recesses of the cave somewhere, I'm sure that this revenge would, be, would have been like a poisonous serpent coiling around David's heart. Now his flesh would have said, now's your chance. Get him, David. Take your dagger and end this persecution. No one has more right to do this than you do. Kill him and be free. Kill him and be king. That's all he had to do. Take his dagger and cut the man's throat. Simple. So David slips over to where Saul is. David has a knife in his hand. He has the opportunity to end it all. And I'm sure he must have entertained thoughts of revenge at that moment. He's been presented with a dream scenario. And no one would blame him if he killed this mad tyrant. In fact, most people would have applauded him. What to do in that situation? Well, again, put yourself in David's shoes. Have you been wronged by someone? Have you been hurt deeply? Have you been given the opportunity finally to get even? Get your pound of flesh? What do you do in that moment? Do you take the chance and destroy your enemy? Do you take the opportunity to get even? What do you do? Because the flesh, our human flesh says, get even. Get them. They deserve it. Tear them down. In fact, make them hurt more than they hurt you. That's revenge. The world says, well, they did the dirty on you. Get even. Hurt them worse. What you do in that moment depends on who you're listening to. The flesh and the world are just like David's men. They cry out for revenge. However, God... God has a different view on the matter. Have a look at the New Testament in Romans chapter 12, verses 19 to 21. Paul says this. He says, Do not take, take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, It is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You see this complete different world view that's there? This is not the way of the world. This is the will of God. So the whole idea of revenge is actually an illusion. 
You can actually never get even with anyone at all. It's impossible to balance the scales of hurt. The only possible way to come out on top is to learn to respond in a godly manner. And in the rest of the passage, David shows us exactly how to respond to people who injure us. So let's have a look at that. Let's have a look at the integrity of David's character. Let me read the verses to you, because this is really interesting to hear. Verses 5 to 7. Afterward, David was, <coughs> was conscience-stricken for having cut off, cut off a corner of his robe. And he said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lift my hand against him, for he is the anointed of the Lord. With these words, David rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul. And Saul left the cave and went his way. See, when David had a chance to kill Saul and exact, exact his revenge, he refused to do it. Instead, David cuts off a small piece of his robe. And the moment he did that, he knew he'd been wrong in his whole thinking. You see, even though David couldn't respect Saul as a man, he could respect the office of Saul. He was the king. He was the Lord's anointed before David. So he still respected the office of the king. And he tells his men, and this stops them from harming Saul as well. So David immediately knew in his heart that thoughts of revenge were not thoughts that God was thinking. He knew that. He knew that taking matters into his own hands was not pleasing to the Lord. David knew that matters like the hurts of life and the feelings of revenge, these are matters that are best left in God's hands. David knew that he did not have the right to play judge and jury in the life of Saul. Now let's stop there for a second. Did you ever stop to consider the fact that when we take matters into our own hands and try to get even with others, we're actually taking the place of God? That's what you're doing. When we set ourselves up as another person's judge and jury and determine their punishment, we're actually overstepping the boundaries that God has set for us. Because a person who walks with integrity understands the truth. The truth is, brothers and sisters, that none of us are perfect. None of us. A person of integrity understands that we all fall short. We all sin. We're all guilty of hurting someone else, intentionally or unintentionally. So we need to leave the matter of judgment and justice in the hands of the Lord. Even if we can't respect the other person because of how they act and what they've done to us, at least we need to respect the fact that they are going to answer to God. You're going to answer to God, and so are they. So let's leave it with God, because He actually knows all the facts. I doubt that you do, or I do. So David's reaction is worthy of noting here, because instead of rejoicing and taking a small bit of revenge against Saul by cutting off the corner of his robe, David's shattered because he's touched the Lord's anointed. His heart is so tender that even a small thing like this brings conviction and condemnation to him. I find it amazing that there are people who call themselves Christians and say, get even. You know, it just, I think you're either out of God's will or you're lost, really. When our hearts are right with the Lord, even the slightest wrong causes us pain. Our conscience is pricked. And we know that we've done not what, what God doesn't want us to do. 
So we see there the incredible integrity of David's character. And there's also the integrity of his confrontation. When Saul leaves the cave, David follows him and he sets the record straight. And in, in these verses, David follows clear biblical principles that should teach us how to react when someone's wronged us. Let's have a look at what David did. Have a look at verse 8. David went out of the cave and called out to Saul, My Lord, the king! When Saul looked behind him, David bowed down and prostrated himself with his face to the ground. Interesting, what's going on here? David is taking the first step. He's the one who's been wronged, but he's the one who's taking the first step. The next thing he does is he humbles himself before Saul. He falls down on the ground in front of him. And he honours Saul in what he says. My Lord, the King. See, he honours this man, this tyrant, this persecutor, this mad bloke. He honours him. Have a look at verses 9 to 11. He said to Saul, Why do you listen when men say, David is bent on harming you? This day you have seen with your own eyes how the Lord delivered you into my hands in the cave. Some urged me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will not lift my hand against my master, because he is the Lord's anointed. See, my father, look at this piece of your robe in my hand. I cut it off the corner of your robe, but did not kill you. Now understand and recognize that I am not guilty of wrongdoing or rebellion. I have not wronged you, but you are hunting me down to take my life. David here, he spoke the absolute truth of the situation. He explained, look, this is what's going on. This is what you are doing. And he also declared his own guilt. I cut off the corner of your robe. Now he knew he shouldn't have touched the Lord's anointed. Because despite what was going on for Saul, he was still the king at that time. He was still the Lord's anointed. And David declares his own guilt. I cut off the corner of your robe. What, what does he do after all that? Have a look at verse 12. May the Lord judge between you and me, and may the Lord avenge the wrongs you have done to me. But... My hand will not touch you. As the old saying goes, from evildoers come evil deeds. So my hand will not touch you. So David here, what's he doing here is he's committing himself to doing the right thing. And he places his, his case in the hands of the judge of the universe. He says, may the Lord judge, may the Lord be your judge and decide between us. May he consider my cause and uphold it. May he vindicate me by delivering me from your hand. So it's interesting what David does. He takes the first step, he humbles himself, he honours Saul, he speaks the truth about the situation, he declares his own part in the matter, he commits himself to doing right, and he places the whole deal in God's hands. So as we listen to David speak, we have a clear, clear picture for us. This is how we should respond when people hurt us. There's too much really for us to, to, to take it apart this morning, and I'm running out of time. But here's what we should do. We shouldn't wait for the other person to make the first step. The first step is up to you, even if you're the one who's been wronged. Actually, in my opinion, it's far better to take it to God first off, deal with it right there, right then, and find forgiveness for yourself and for the other party, and be free of the whole deal. But in this process, we need to remain humble and honour the other person. That's hard to do when, you've got it, when you know someone's got it in for you, but you honour them. Let's face it, Jesus died for them too, didn't he? They are worthy of respect, no matter what. Confess your own guilt. 
It takes two to tango, doesn't it? Where there's a fight, there's usually two people wrong. You and me, you know, both of us have a part to play. Own that. Confess it. And then extend absolute forgiveness to the offending party. In Ephesians 4.32 it says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. You got it? That's exactly what we need to do. That's how we're going to deal with our problems. I was reading a wonderful story about Thomas Edison uh, this week. He invented this crazy contraption called the light bulb. He's working on that. It took 24, it took a whole team of men 24 straight hours to put one light bulb together in the first instance. And the story goes that when Edison had finished one light bulb, he gives it to a young, a young boy who's one of his helpers who has to carry it up the stairs. And guess what happens carrying it up the stairs? He dropped it! So back downstairs to the basement, they all go back to working in another 24 hours. They're all exhausted. What does Edison do at the end of the whole deal? He gives the same boy the light bulb and says, carry it upstairs. That's forgiveness. I'll give you a second chance. Off you go. Have another go. That's what true forgiveness is all about. So we must be, extend absolute forgiveness to the offending party. And we must commit, commit, commit ourselves to doing the right thing, regardless of what anyone else says or does or wants to do. They say, get even. You say, no, I won't. I will not fight you. Commit yourself to doing the right thing. And ultimately, we need to place our case in the hands of God. And leave it with Him. Yes, you've been wronged. Yes, you're hurting. I understand that. I've been there too. But God is going to deal with it the right way at the right time. All He asks me to do right now is forgive and get on with it. It's not easy, but it is the will of God. And if you are the offending party, well, there's some words for you too in the New Testament. Let me get that for you. Matthew chapter 5, verses 23, 24. says, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there, remember that your brother has something against you. Why would he have something against you? Because of something you've done, obviously. If you remember that you've got, your brother's got something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer your gift. You see that? So if you've been offended, there's a way to deal with it. David's way. If you're the offendee, there's a way to deal with it too. No one gets off, do they? Let's have a bit more of a look at David's, at David's integrity. There's the integrity of his consolation. David, David's grace in this situation touches the heart of King Saul. And God uses the actions of David to bring about peace on that day. That's amazing how this happened. What's going on there? Because this is the bottom line of the whole deal. The right kind of, 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 of life and, and, and the practice of grace and forgiveness. Well, if you do that, if you practice grace and forgiveness, you live the kind of right lifestyle, God is going to transform situations around about you. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 7 says, When a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, he makes even his enemies live at peace with him. I like that. If your ways are pleasing with the Lord, even your enemies are going to be able to live at peace with you. Abraham Lincoln was once uh, criticized for his attitude towards his enemies. We put it this way, why do you make friends with your enemies? Says one of his colleagues. You should try to destroy them. Abraham Lincoln says, am I not destroying my enemies when I make them my friends? Oh, that's profound, isn't it? Yes, 
Absolutely. Today is a, is, a, is a challenge from the Lord for each one of us to, to let go of all of our thoughts of vengeance and extend grace to those who might be against us. And here's the invitation. If you're dealing with a hurt, get to the Lord right now. Get that whole situation to Him. Lay it down at His feet. Forgive it. Forget it. And if you can't do that, go to the person who's hurt you and get it settled between the two of you. Do it for yourself. Do it for your church. And do it for the glory of God. If you've hurt others and you know it, we'll do the right thing and go and make it right with them. Even old demon-possessed Saul could acknowledge the truth and there was peace on that day. Surely we can do the same. If the Lord has used this passage this morning to speak to your heart, you need to do the things that He's telling you to do today. Listen to His voice. Honor Him by your obedience. You need to put your faith into action, every one of us.